Hello and welcome to a very special edition of Redboard Rewind. I'm your guest host, Peter Thomas Fornatal. This one is brought to you by Stable Duel, a new way to play the horses, the Stable Duel app available now. And there's $20,000 up for grabs, two free roll games associated with the Breeders' Cup. I've downloaded the app. I'm ready to play. I wanted to talk to some people who are a little more attuned to the way of fantasy sports stable duel kind of a hybrid of the horse racing betting you're familiar with and the fantasy sports world so what did i do i turned to to two of our uh two of the young people on the in the money team you've heard them before and uh, i think you're going to enjoy this conversation we'll start off with the usual host of this show your host week in week out spencer luganbuehl spencer how are you i'm good pete Nice to know that we, uh, you know, get to talk some stable. Though I've done it for about a couple of days now, it looks amazing. Super excited for this podcast. Very cool, and also bringing in a man who I know has played in one of the beta games of Stable Duel because I saw him do it while we were out in Lexington a couple of weeks ago. Returning to the In the Money airwaves, John Camardo. John, what's up, my man? Hey, Pete. Hey, Spencer. Uh, things are good over here. I am staring at a degenerate horse player T-shirt. <laughs> I am about to talk about Stable Duel, and it's Breeders' Cup weekend, so can't get much better than that. That's good stuff. The degenerate horse player T-shirts on sale, by the way, over at uh, Old Smoke Clothing. Go to their website. Go to the Partners tab. Look for our podcast and order away, though uh, some sizes are selling out already, so don't wait too long. Get on there and get your shirts. We've got the – I'm actually wearing my I'm Alive in the Pick 5 t-shirt as we speak. John's got his Degenerate Horse Player t-shirt, and it should be it should be a lot of fun. All right, so let's talk about how this works. I'll, I'll ask you, John, for starters, for some – general advice um and then we'll talk through as i build my teams for friday and saturday but but how does stable duel work what are we trying to accomplish so in general what we're trying to accomplish is pick uh the most winners i I suppose or the the most horses that are going to place sixth or above um and try to maximize the the winning margin if you uh, play a horse that is gonna you think is gonna hit first place first place and minimize the losing margin if you're uh, kind of going for an underneath type horse is kind of the way that I've been approaching it. Um, the other thing to keep in mind is you kind of have a salary cap of $50,000. Each horse is priced out uh, based on the morning line odds. So the lower the odds, the higher the price. So what I've been kind of doing or at least thinking about doing is um, taking some longer priced horses that I think might be mispriced on the morning line um, or their odds don't necessarily reflect their chances of winning, kind of key around them and then see what I have left over for maybe taking some of the shorter priced uh, favorites on the day. All right. I've downloaded the Stable Duel app. That was very simple, very intuitive how to get into the new game. You see, we're starting off with the Friday game that it's a $5,000 free free roll. I've entered the game, and the first thing that comes up is a number of horses. So is it 10 horses for each day, Spencer? And then we have to pick those 10 horses throughout the uh, throughout the entire race card. Is that how it works? Yeah, that's how it works. And something that I've actually tried to do for the Friday free roll is I'm trying to take two horses in each of the Breeders' Cup races to try to maximize, you know, hitting an exacta, which would be about 100 points, 60 for the win, 40 for second. 
I love that idea. I'm going to follow you in on it. John, from a, a game theory point of view, does that make sense? I mean, I could see a world in which so many people like, uh, like Spencer and myself want to lean on the Breeders' Cup races that there might be equity in looking at the undercard. How, what do you think about that? So it's actually super interesting. I kind of took that approach, and um, I, I took some horses on the undercard because I had some I had some dollars left over, and and I took some of the favorites in the shorter field, um, particularly in the first race. I took a I took a pretty heavy favorite, so. Um, yeah, a little interesting that, that we kind of took the third approaches there. Well, that's cool. It just shows that there's uh, many different ways to crack this particular nut. John, since we're looking at the Breeders' Cup races, why don't you run us down who you took? If you don't, Assuming you don't mind, I guess it's strategically disadvantageous for you to give away your entire team here. But, hey, it's a podcast. We're having fun. Assuming you don't mind, you want to run us through what you did for the first four races, and then we'll dive in at race number five with the, the beginning of the Breeders' Cup. Sure. Um, so, I, so I obviously, well, not obviously, I started on the, the later half of the card, uh, picked my guys, and then I had a bunch of money left over. So I looked to the undercard. The first race, um, it's a it's a six-horse field. I figured I'd probably have a good shot. Um, I had a lot of money left over, so I, I kind of looked to the to the favorite in that race campaign, which I gave a, a really good shot of winning, and, and he is a super short price. So I took him in the first race. Um, I looked, I skipped the second race because there were some unknowns that I was a little uh, confused about. Went to the third race, and I looked toward Warren Showtime. Uh, she's the number four horse in that race. Pretty short on the morning line, um, but not super short. Um, and then in the fourth race, I looked at Square Deal, which I believe is the 11 horse. Uh, three to five on the morning line, but I, I uh, gave him a much better shot of winning than that, and so I, I kind of keyed on those three horses in the first four races. I think the Breeders' Cup races may start uh, a little further on, but that, but that's at least what I looked at in the first four. All right, let's move on to your first plays, Spencer, which I think you said came in race number five, the start of the Breeders' Cup races with the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Sprint. I've got strong opinions in here. I'm going to ask you guys if I can just play them or if I'm missing a trick in terms of strategy with that. But before we do that, Spencer, who did you use in here? So it's interesting. I decided to go against Kamari and four-wheel drive. The two horses I ended up on were A. Ali and Cambria, the other Wesley Ward. For Cambria, just the price difference made a big deal to me since I was already taking A. Ali. Her last race in the turf was really good. She got stayed into the turn. So I would kind of bump up that number even in the buyer from a 74 to like a 78. That puts her right on par with Kamari, and the price difference is huge. It's like $750 for Cambria compared to thousands for Kamari. And ALE, horses like this that come from overseas that have won graded stake races just, and also get one of my favorite riders in Detori just couldn't uh, shake it for me. I think... I mean, my temptation is I really think the two horses and uh, I mean, I will be probably almost definitely playing them in an exacta anyway are going to be Kamari and four wheel drive. Is that is it, John, in your opinion, is it crazy to take two favorites? Is that am I committing too much of my fifty thousand dollar bankroll? The we should explain the prices are correlated to the morning lines. So Kamari, I would have to spend seventy five hundred of my fifty thousand bankroll four wheel drive eight thousand of that bankroll is it is it too much 
So the way that I thought about doing this is kind of going through and looking for the longer priced horses first that I thought had a really good shot of winning, kind of making a sweep through, seeing how many slots I had open and how much cash I had left. And then um, I, I think the way to do this is allocate uh, the biggest portion of your bankroll, obviously, to the to the few opinions that you have that are that are the strongest. So, I mean, if Kamari um, and the other horse that you mentioned, Four Wheel Drive, are your two strongest opinions on the day, I mean, maybe allocate your money here and, and try to hit the exacta. But I, I did go in a different direction. Um, I, I, I was going to take a shot with another Miracle, who I know has pretty good numbers on the sheets. I gave some pretty good numbers too, um, and I think probably fits pretty well in this race. So I, I took a shot against both of those in this. All right. Well, I'm going to just go with a first thought, best thought mentality and go ahead. And of course, you can do this and see how it looks and revise it. But for starters, I'm going to just take my top two picks, prices be damned. I'll look to get some more. Um, I'll look to, to, to shop uh, for value essentially elsewhere. Here, I have a strong opinion. I'm just going to go with it. And with that, we'll move it along to race number six. Spencer, we'll go back to you. Did You you said you did use uh, some of your capital in this spot. Where did you allocate it? This actually was one of the hardest races for me for the Breeders' Cup so far. I ended up on the number two structure for Chad Brown. The Pilgrim last time out was a good race. Nice improvement. Definitely one of the top buyers coming out of this race. I'm 100% against Arizona in this spot until... O'Brien can win a race over the last time he won a race in North America, I think was Athena last year at the Belmont stakes day or something like that. He's got to win one more until I'm starting to allocate so much capital on taking these short priced O'Brien horses throughout this tournament. Another horse that I ended up uh, adding was Batology at 10 to one Brendan Walsh, Javier Castellano. So much trouble in that last race and still just missed against peace achieved. But in this race, there's like seven or eight ways you can go. It just seems like such an evenly run race if you don't like Arizona like I do. So definitely a race where you should spend some capital. All right. I think that Aiden O'Brien stat is going to change this weekend. I'll, I'll say that for sure. He has won this race, what is it now, four times, uh, going for number five. But I take your point about it from a value point of view. John, what did you do in here? I also tossed Arizona. I thought that um, the numbers for Peace Achieved looked pretty good, um, at least to me. I know Cassie has a pretty good record, um, at least kind of like with this type of horse. It's kind of looks like he's improving his numbers. So I went in that direction. I don't have any um, – I, I thought about going the structure path, a lot shorter price than what I took. Um, I might go back and take take another sweep through this. See, I do have some cash left over, so maybe I'll uh, kind of reallocate some of my money. But but I went peace achieved in this one. All right, I'm going to take two in this race, and I'm torn between three runners. But I certainly don't want to take three in here. I think just at the prices. Well, I do think Arizona um, is a likely winner. At the prices, the other O'Brien at only 750 bucks at uh, 12 to one is interesting. But I think in the end, I'm going to spin him. I agree with the Vitology case that's been discussed. And I'm going to throw in our country just because we're really looking at a, with that 15 to 1 in the morning line, just cost 500 bucks. So I'm going to take those two. And with that, we're going to move it along to the next race, which is the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. John, we're going to throw it back to you. How did you spend your money in here? So in, in this race, 
I actually went with Wicked Whisper. Um, I I guess I took one of the or the, the one of the shortest prices in the board. I give her uh, the best shot of winning. Uh, so I thought that there was a little bit of a discrepancy between the morning line and what I think the the actual odds should be. So kind of simple as that. I just I just went that route. Makes sense, Spencer. What did you do? British idiom. The uh, number four horse for Brad Cox beat me last time when I picked Perfect Alibi. Nice improvement again. Nothing really out came out of the Alcibiades yet, but just in its second start, just really, really, really good good race to win by six and a half. And then I ended up just picking Perfect Alibi again. The slow improvement. Uh, the shortest price in the board, Donna Veloce. I don't know how this horse ended up being the favorite, but. Off a slow-paced race that earned a 91, I downgraded that to probably more like a mid-80. I think there's a lot of better prices in the board than that horse. I like British Idiom a lot from a race design point of view. I can't get away from her. And I'm just going to steal an idea from Paul Matisse. The show hasn't even uh, dropped yet, but in the Naira Betts show, he made kind of a crazy case for KP Dreamin. At only $250, with some of the money I'm planning on spending elsewhere, I'm going to go ahead and add KP Dreamin. Uh, I'll let you listen to the Naira Betts show to hear Paul's case because we've got a lot of races to get through. But, uh, but I thought he made a very interesting case there, and I think it makes sense in the context of this game to take one favorite and one long shot in that spot. And with that, we're going to move it along to the Juvenile Phillies turf. This is a race where I have two long shots I already know I like. I'm just going to go ahead and pick them, and then we'll loop it back for your picks. But And I'll talk about them more in other places. I won't even give the cases here. But Cristal and Sharing are two runners that I'm very interested in. I'm going to go ahead and add them to my team. And, John, let's head back to you and see uh, what your thoughts are in this one. Um, I actually agree with those two long shots as being some pretty uh, interesting uh, horses for, for for actually being win contenders. I went the sharing route. Um, I thought Motion had a good shot of maybe repeating some of these numbers that this horse has put up, um, and she's put up some pretty good figs. So I went in that direction. I wouldn't steer necessarily away from Sweet Melania um, or Cristal, but, but for me, I thought that uh, sharing made the most sense in this, in this case, uh, given what I think the odds should be and what the actual line is. So uh, she was a good price for the actual uh, uh, prospect of uh, her winning. Spencer, who were your two against the field here? So I ended up, I've only picked one in this race and I just, I'm kind of stuck between the two. The two are Daia and Sweet Melania. Uh, the whole process of this tournament is you want to find horses that can hit the board and Daia is five for five in the exacta. Uh, and then Sweet Melania is, uh, five for five and and hitting all three spots. The the pose for Sweet Melania is probably what makes the decision easier for me, and it's just another horse from across seas that just has won group group races over there and just I think has a really good shot. It makes sense to me. Breeders' Cup Juvenile is the featured race on Future Stars Friday. It's another one where I have sort of a strong opinion that I'm just uh, going to be married to, and I have the money left to go ahead and play some chalk in here. Number one, Dennis's moment is going to be added to my team. And then I think I'm, I have 12000 left, so I can go back here and revise this, which I may do off air. I'm not going to make you guys do that with me. But part of me is tempted to just say, you know what, this is my team. These are the horses that I like. Um, 
and not worry too much about having money left over on the bankroll? Uh, what do you think about that idea from a game theory point of view, John? Am I making a mistake if I leave 5000 on my bankroll? I left 6500 on the bankroll, so I'm very okay with that. I think that's the way that you, uh, in these types of contests, have to kind of play it. Like, you have to zig when other, you have to zag when other people are zigging, or zig when other people are zagging, if you know what I mean. Um, I, I definitely take that approach with these types of contests, and especially given it's a free roll, there's really no downside to doing that. That's a great point. And my second pick, now that I was almost thinking I was being silly not to play eight rings, but you've convinced me to the point where I'm going to go ahead and make Scabbard my second pick in the idea that I like Dennis's moment to be the best speed and to get the better of eight rings, but maybe they both soften things up. I'm going to go ahead and throw Scabbard in as my second pick. How did you guys round out your entries on this 5K free roll? We'll start with you, John. Um, I'm a little dubious about the prospect of taking a Baffert horse uh, that's pretty short here. I'm not really sure how he's going to uh, end up performing uh, with his horses in, in these races. So I actually went the Scabbard, uh, Scabbard Wrecking Crew uh, uh, Exacta. I have those horses as way more likely to win than their morning line suggests, so I just couldn't resist kind of taking a shot with, with both of them. Uh, seeing if I can hit the board and, and kind of um, saving that bankroll for, for some of the other plays that I thought were uh, better shots at the shorter prices. Spencer, how about yourself? I was kind of always caught up between eight rings and Dennis's moment. What made me decide to pick eight rings was its home field advantage for him. Dennis's moment raced two back on blue fractions. The race is probably not as good, but winning by 19, even though how he did it. Uh, and then I pick Scabbard to end up. I just, in case I can get eight rings and Scabbard home in the exact, it should be paying pretty nice. Lots of Scabbard love from us. All right, let's go on to Saturday. I've already created the game. It takes seconds. It's The app is very intuitive and easy to use. I'm happy to report. Uh, John, what was your general approach to this day? How did you allocate uh, your, your 10 runners? Are they all in Breeders' Cup races? Are you throughout the card? What did you do? I'm very much all throughout the card. I don't think I have two horses in any race. I wanted to spread uh, pretty thin because a lot of confusing races later in the day. Um, didn't think there was uh, much of a shot of me necessarily picking the exacta. Um, I'll obviously play exactas with my with my own money, but in terms of like kind of allocating bankroll for ten horses, I, I didn't find that that was the, the approach that I thought would would have a shot at winning. But um, interested to hear what you guys come up with. And I like that point. I just want to pause on the point of you play a game like this. It just also encourages you to play paramutually. A very, very useful supplementary way to play the horses, but not meant to substitute putting money through the windows. All right, Spencer, your general approach. I loved what you did. I followed you right in with that two horses in each Breeders' Cup race on Friday. What was your general approach on Saturday? Um, I'm singled in a few, got a couple exactas. Uh, I'm, I'm against Kofefi in the first Breeders' Cup race. I just think that she might bounce again. The last time she ran the same 107, she went into that Roxalina listed stake, bounced. Maybe she's just better at seven furlongs and she'll prove me wrong. I really wanted to pick Heaven Has My Nikki because I don't think anybody thinks this horse is a chance, but on the lead, eight for 15 lifetime. I just There's just too much speed in this race, I think. I ended up on Spice Perfection just from uh, a race flow. I think the last race she did get a setup, but I think she's going to come from, you know, two or three out of it, and the price was right for me. 
just to back up, did you do anything in the first three races? I did not. Okay, great. So we're caught up with you. John, what did you do in the first three races? And then give us your thought on the first Breeders' Cup race. Sure. Um, so I took a horse in the second race. There's only five horses entered there. Um, I thought I had a pretty good shot of, of hitting the board. And, and if I could pick a winner, I thought I had, um, I might, I might be able to, to climb up the leaderboard kind of quickly. So I took Flagstaff in the second race. And in the third race, I took Henley's joy. Um, I gave both a really good shot of winning. And so hopefully I can, I can hit that double and, and, um, maybe make off with, with a couple uh, or over 100 points on, on the two uh, races. What was the first Breeders' Cup race you ended up playing? So in the Philly and Mare Sprint, I ended up landing on Come Dancing. I was kind of against Kathuffy in the in this spot, given uh, the post-position draw. Um, I kind of liked um, the kind of progressive numbers that at least I have, and I know uh, Thurgraf had on, on Come Dancing and, and thought she had a good shot of um, uh, repeating the, the numbers that I have here. And if she does, then no shot at anybody else uh, coming close. John, we'll keep it with you for what you did, if anything, in the turf sprint. So this was the one that I had the most, most trouble with. I actually skipped this race. If, if I had to pick someone, uh, I think I'll, I would probably give Eddie Haskell or Belvoir Bay a look. Belvoir Bay is a lot longer priced, Eddie Haskell a lot shorter, um, but I, I chose to, to skip this one. All right. For me in the first two Breeders' Cup races, I agree that Come Dancing is a place where it's okay to spend the money. I'm going to spend the 8500 and I'm going to grab her. And, you know, I may come back and revise this, but in race number five for now, I'm just going to go with pure sensation by himself. I feel like the $6,000 for his 5-1 to one morning line still still feels like that might be okay value. Spencer, what did you do in this race where I took pure sensation and John decided to pass? I ended up taking two horses. Uh, Stormy Liberal was my second of the two choices. The horses won this race back-to-back years. You're going to get the right price. Maybe he's not the same as he was last year, but I think that he might have one. He's eight for 19 at Santa Anita. Half these horses haven't even won eight races like on the turf. So it's just, it's more of a horse for course angle for me. Uh, my top pick was Stubbins, the five at 12 to one. Flavian Pratt is on at least one horse in every Breeders' Cup race. I think he's going to have a heck of a weekend. And this horse has really improved in his last two starts and definitely worth the price. John, what did you do in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile? I think I have a strong opinion in here, um, but let me get your guys' thoughts first. So I actually played against Omaha Beach. Um, I thought that he, well, he's going to be a really short place in the day, and that obviously doesn't necessarily matter for for this. Uh, right, well, that was my thought. I was like just to just to cut you yeah. off, uh, and just so you know where I was going with that. I think it feels like value to essentially lock him in at the eight to five when I feel like he's an even money chance who's going to be even money if not odds on on the tote. So my way of thinking was I can lock in some value with him. So so talk about why you see that differently. Yeah, so I mean, I don't think he's worth. Uh, I don't know what he's going to be in this, like nine thousand dollars or something like that. Um, I don't. I think he has. Uh, he, he's still the most likely winner, but I, I think his his odds uh, should be a, a little higher and would need to be higher for me to take him in this race. And I, I just am going to kind of um, 
not not touch him in this race because of that. I think that uh, given the the kind of huge effort that he gave in the last one, I, I kind of expect him to bounce and maybe not repeat. I, I looked toward giant expectations and, and, and took him um, in this race. And kind of, I think I'm going to stand against him both in, in this contest and on the day. Spencer, how did you see it? I'm also against Omaha Beach. I just think that with everyone, like, all the confusion is going to go to the classic, the sprint, the mile. The horse can very easily win, but for the price that this horse is compared to all the other favorites we have later on the card, Sister Charlie, Bricks and Mortar, I decided to pass him. And probable to me is still Mr. Inconsistent. Still can't believe he went off the favorite in the Derby. I ended up on Spunderon. I picked him in the PA Derby. He just missed the board, and then he came out and blew out a field at Parks with a 110 buyer. Even if he drops a little bit on the ship over and can run like a 105, he fits in this race really, really well. All right, we're going to keep it with you, Spencer, for your thought on the next race in the sequence. Who did you put on your stable duel team? Sister Charlie. You just went to the discussion. Charlie. Okay. Just Sister Charlie. Okay. So nothing else really. The only other horse would be Basilica, 11 for 12 at Santa Anita. I mean, it's pretty hard to do that. 18 for 35 lifetime, but just we're getting now into the spot where all these favorites are going to be, you know, very low odds. And I picked two of the four of them. So Sister Charlie was my first one. I'm running out of money. And so in this race, I'm going to, I might have to revise this pick. I'm going to go with Fleeting, who I've talked about elsewhere, the, the various reasons, the trip excuses, why she's my pick. I don't know. As I look about it and I see five for her and 9,400 for Sister Charlie, I totally get just going with Sister Charlie, but I'm going to try to save a buck here and be a little contrarian and go with fleeting. John, what did you do in the Philly and Mayor race? I'm kind of just banking on all the favorites losing, and, and if they do, then I might be in a pretty good position. I am Sister Charlie uh, at about four to one, and so the price just doesn't doesn't make sense to me. I went the Iridesa route. I thought that she had some pretty com- pretty competitive things in what in what I was looking at relative to uh, some of these, and thought that that the things made her at least competitive um, with respect to Sister Charlie. So maybe she'll get a second. Um, hopefully not lose by a, a, a large margin and. I can get through this um, maybe with 10 less points than I would if I uh, 10 or 15 less points than if I'd taken Sister Charlie. All right. I like, I like where you're going with that. What did you do in the next race, John? In the next race, I decided to go with Chancelot. Um, I kind of thought that he's been in California for a while. I heard a few people on Twitter and on TVG, I think, um, speak about how having extra race over the surface was probably good for these horses, given the, the, the deepness of the surface this year. He had a huge fig, uh, as we all know, uh, a few back, I think. Uh, so I kind of lean toward him. Um, he's not the shortest price. Uh, he's not even the favorite, I don't think, in this race. Uh, or maybe he's co-favored. No, he's not the favorite in this race. Um, so I, I, I just kind of went with him and, and hoping that he kind of freaks again and, and we'll see what happens. Spencer, how did you see it? I know we had talked about this race as one of my keys last week on the show. I went with Matoli. I love that Steve Aspusen gets his horses out to Santa Anita early. Obviously, with all the changes to the track, the track's definitely deeper. It looks like he's working out fine. Before that ba- before that excuse of a race in the Vanderbilt, he was up for horse of the year possibility. 
the other two guys I think are more were the freaks. They ran the two big numbers. I think it's hard to freak twice in one year. If you're getting low on capital, I think engage at a really, really low. He's like $500. This one might burn up, including Matoli, and then he'll, he'll be right there to pick up the pieces. I am with Matoli. I think the way I have this allocated with reaching for some prices later, I can lay into a couple more of these favorites, kind of taking the opposite approach to John. And I'm going to go with him in this race for my stable dual team. And I mentioned the long shots I'm interested in. The next race, there's two. I'm having trouble separating. I'm going to use them both. That'll get me to my 10 um, all in all. My top pick in the miles I've talked about elsewhere, Lord Glitters. I think some of the concerns about him are overblown. I think he's very live. The morning line's a little low. I think he's actually going to be longer than that on the day. So I don't love that from a value point of view. The morning line had him at 12. I think he's going to go north of there. The other one that... Uh, I'm interested in is without parole. We've talked about it elsewhere. Uh, looking very good in the morning. Working well. Uh, potentially even outworking the likes of bricks and mortar. I think this might be a Euro who's coming here for the Lasix. And if you go back and look at his best form, he fits. And to only have to spend 250 bucks when I'm going to be taking the likes of Omaha Beach and Matoli. I've got to save money somewhere. This is a place I'm going to take those two against the field and see if we can make the magic happen. John Camardo, what did you do in the Breeders' Cup Mile? I was thinking about taking God Stormy. Um, she's getting a weight break, uh, so I thought that, that that might make a little bit of a difference. But I ultimately ended up uh, siding with Uni in this one. I've been on this horse a bunch over the past few years. Um, and kind of just wanted to go with my gut and and what my numbers are telling me, which uh, is that she is the most likely winner in this race. You never have to twist my arm too hard to make me get excited about the horse that made J.K. have to shave his beard into that ridiculous horseshoe mustache where he looked like a 1970s relief pitcher. So I respect Uni completely, <laughs> and uh, and I, I get it. Spencer, your pick. And, and or well, it's not necessarily your pick, but what you what did you do with your stable duel team in the Breeders' Cup Mile? This was the one race where I really had to get kind of short and really figure out like where can I save money. I ended up going with True Valor. It's just the last race off the layoff was a hundred buyer was really good. If he can improve again, he's got a chance to win. This is more of like the I hope he hits the board type horse, and maybe one of the favorites runs out and can kind of get me some catch up points. Uh, Drayden Van Dyke is I think not so much a spotlight jockey as Mike Smith would be. And I think that this, he can give a good ride to this horse. All right. Let's talk about the distaff on the show over the last weeks and maybe even months. JK and I have talked about our desire to try to find the right spot to beat midnight Bisu. <laughs> I think you're supposed to try here. I'm not clever enough to figure out exactly how to do it. I think I'm going to have the money left to just go ahead and pick her in this spot for my stable duel team. Midnight Bisou for me. Spencer, will keep it with you for your selection for your stable duel team in the Breeders' Cup Distaff. She was the one of the big-time favorites in the later part of the card. I'm going to try and beat her. She kind of seems like an in-and-outer again, but like this might be her big-time race where she gets back up over 100. I'm going to go with... Hopefully JK doesn't uh, hate me. Serengeti Empress. <laughs> I hope that she can, uh, you know, just if she can get alone on the lead and just, I've seen it happen before. Flavian Pratt, just a really good front end rider as well. If this horse gets loose, she's really, really hard to have come back to the field. Right price. There's others in here that I think will, people will take a lot more in the field. 
And this horse might be one of the few that like, if there's a hundred people in the field, maybe only 15 people take this horse. I get that. I get that idea from a game theory point of view. John, you've already tipped your hand uh, that you're trying to beat these favorites. I, I assume Midnight Bisu is among the ones you're trying to beat. Where did you land? Can't touch her. Um, so, yes, trying to beat. Um, I initially toyed with Blue Prize. Um, she shipped kind of late to this, so that made me kind of want to take a stand against her as well. I ultimately landed on Serengeti Empress. Um, so, <laughs> I'm telling JK, so he's, he's not going to be happy with you two. Let me tell you, you know, he's he's got a giant. For those that don't know, a giant head-to-head bet that she will not win another uh, Grade One stake. And uh, you guys think she can do it right here? I I love it. I assume your case is is pretty similar to Spencer's. Yeah, I mean, big fig. She's fast. She's going to be on. Hopefully, on the lead here. Um, I, I kind of just wanted to take the chances with that and and uh, and hope she can beat Midnight Beast. Okay, let's keep things moving and grooving. Breeders' Cup turf. I've got to start getting skinny. I don't have much money left. I give Mount Everest a chance. People think I'm crazy. I, I think this horse is going to be ridden positively, but not an out-and-out rabbit. I think it's going to be more like the team tactics we've seen before from Coolmore, the Highland Reel found route. I'm not saying this horse is as good as Highland Reel, but he is progressive. I think the Lasix could help. We don't really know how good he is. He has The recent form is not exciting, but it's trending in the right direction it would take a leap up. I think he can maybe make it, and I think he's going to be uh, a 15, 20 to 1 shot. Obviously, here I have to lock in, but with the amount of money I have left, he fits my team perfectly, uh, even though I think he could be longer than that 15 to 1 in the day. I'm spending the 500 on Mount Everest. John Camardo, what are you doing? I was going to say I could help you kind of uh, maybe squeak through this race and have, have some money left over for the next one, but, um, but it sounds like you don't need it. Um, I'm going to go in this one with Channel Maker. Uh, I'm, again, standing against bricks and mortar. I'm going to look to, if I can't beat him, at least hope that I get second. I think there's really good value on this horse uh, being 10 to 1. I think he's, he could be much shorter than that, and maybe should be much shorter than that. So I just kind of took a leap and, and went with Channel Maker. All right. Uh, Spencer, where are you? If I had the money, I would play bricks. I unfortunately did not. So I'm on Old Persian, hoping that Charlie Appleby and William Buick can uh, get the W. He ran really good back in Dubai. Now he's come back with, you know, a third by by a length in a grade one and then just crossed the Northern Dancer field. I think that maybe he's got one more step up in him and maybe he'll get bricks to run for his money. I like the case. Breeders' Cup Classic folks probably know what I'm doing here. I've talked about Seeking the Soul a whole lot and how I think he can get a piece. That works in this format particularly. Heck, if it melts down, he might even be able to win the whole thing. Best of all, he fits my budget. Seeking the Soul for me. Spencer, who is it for you? Vino Rosso. It's been Vino Rosso since the Woodward, since really his second or third start of the year. As soon as I saw that that he was going to win when he won at Santa Anita, the Whitney and the Jockey Club were, you know, he won the Jockey Club and then got DQ'd. Whether or not people think it was a good DQ or not, I just think that he's already won over in Santa Anita. He's uh, hasn't had any works over there yet, but it's a good price. The only other horse I would go with would be Mongolian Groom. I would, I, I almost want to be cheeky enough to say I'd take him in head-to-heads against McKinsey because I just literally don't like McKinsey at all. I think that this horse is improving at the right time. 
could possibly get a loan in the lead. I know he's from a far outside post, but Vino Rosso and a little bit of Mongolian groom for me. I like it. John, where are you? I reserve the right to change my choice here um, because <laughs> I do think McKinsey is very dangerous. And, and if Bob Baffert's horses perform pretty well uh, on Friday, I might consider changing my pick to McKinsey here. But I'm going to ultimately end up with Vino Rosso as well. Um, I I think he fits on figs. I think that um, he could be improving. He obviously beat Code of Honor last time, and I, I lost money on that endeavor because uh, I did have him winning, but then I got disqualified out of that. Um, so I'm hoping that he can put it to, to both of those horses and, and pull out a win here um, and maybe round out a nice day for me. I like the sound of that, and, and hopefully one of these stables that we've put together is going to uh, make a little bit of noise and get up into the money. I love that the prize structure in here is not super top-heavy, right? You can get – do either of you have it in front of you? It's not like you have to be in the top uh, four to make money. I know it pays down quite a bit. I don't have it open in front of me. I'm hoping one of you guys can rescue me. Um, Spencer, do you, do you have that? I – I do not have it in front of me at the second. I'm trying to go through Twitter right now and find it for us. Excellent. I'm just going to leave this in, by the way. This is this is the, the high production values of these shows. Breeder, Breeders' Cup Week is very hard to do much editing that I'm not catching in real time. John, you don't happen to have it in front of you, do you? I do. I, I was pulling it up as we were as you we were uh, kind of stalling. There. It's the old J the old JK <laughs> trick of talk, talking and stalling until, <laughs> until you find what you're looking for. Friday, so Friday pays uh, first to fiftieth place. Okay. Uh, obviously, the lower end pays like ten dollars. So forty first to fiftieth pays ten dollars. Top prize is fifteen hundred. Uh, Saturday, first prize pays five grand. All the way down to seventy fifth place uh, pays ten dollars. So. Um, it, it does pay pretty uh, pretty wide. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes it a lot of fun. Uh, very curious to hear how folks do. Hey, if you want, I put the initials ITM in my stable name. So my stable name, I think it's uh, Looms Boldly ITM Stables, something like that. If you're feeling it, go ahead and throw the ITM in there. Let them know you came from us. It always helps us when our partners know that we're sending people their way. There's really absolutely no reason not to download this app and play in the free roll. Uh, you guys I know have both been taken with, with the product so far, and hopefully we'll have a chance to get some regular games coming soon. But it's a nice way to kick things off. App is super easy to use. Uh, let's just do a quick little final thoughts go around in case you guys have uh, either a best bet you want to give out or an observation, something we didn't get to talk to in the body of the show. John Camardo, will start with you for a final thought on this year's Breeders' Cup or Stable Duel or anything of that ilk. Yeah, so I, I think um, on the earlier card on Saturday, I give a really good shot to, like I alluded before, to before, uh, Henley's Joy. I think I might try to get uh, that horse kind of hooked up with a couple of others that I, I give a pretty good shot at, um, those being Neptune Storm and maybe Kingly, uh, and see if I can make, away with, make out with a nice score. Um, maybe I'll play a double even into that those horses um, and set myself up nicely to, to have some bankroll to play with for the latter half of the day. I like that as a general strategy. Spencer, how about you? What what are you what are you thinking in terms of a final thought for this uh, special edition mashup of the In the Money Players podcast and Redboard Rewind? 
Uh, if Vino Rosso is above four to one, which I think he's going to drift down because it seems like every wise guy's pick is Vino Rosso. But if he's above four to one and it's going to pay ten dollars plus, it's going to be a healthy, healthy wager for me in the classic. I've just been so. If Mackenzie wins, Mackenzie's going to win, but he's just never going to do it without my money. And one last final thing too: if you go on to the Stable Duel app, it'll actually tell you how many active stables are so far doing both contests. There's over 900 in the 5K, and there's over 600 in the 15K. So it's a lot of people. It looks like a ton of fun. I like the sound of that as well. All right. That's going to do it. Plenty of more recording to do. We've got the Final Answers podcast coming up. I've got two other things to edit. It's just complete bedlam here, Breeders' Cup Week. But we are having fun and hopefully bringing you some news you can use, information that's going to help you cash some tickets, whether it's in those paramutual pools or with us in this stable duel game. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. In The Money Media's business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. And we will see you next time.